uh, really need several of you, if you will, just to remember me. I'm not really nauseated, not really feeling very well, but I felt like I had a word for this house this morning. Amen. And I felt like it's found in Mark, the 14th chapter. My thought this morning for Austin only, because he's the only one that does anything with that, is living the legacy that God has for you. Living the legacy that God has for you. One of the most favorite and frequent scriptures quoted in this church is Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans to prosper you and give you an expected end. I hope, Jennifer, when I look, when I look back on my life and see how God moved, I hope I, our, my life reflects the things of God, yes. the purpose of God, and I want to pursue the plan of God. God has a plan for your life, and it's a good plan. Yes. It's a plan to prosper you. Prosperity is simply having enough to meet your needs and having a little left over to meet someone else's needs. That's all prosperity is about. An expected end. There's a, we, there's a, there's a start and then there's a finish. And God has that all encapsulated in that, in that start, that finish. Wonderful abilities, wonderful talent, wonderful time. God enjoys you growing. God enjoys you stepping out in faith. Yes. God, enjoys, God enjoys when you start to walk in that, that, that place he's caused you to walk and you become completely dependent upon him. And you see him make a difference in your life and in the lives of others. Mark 14, verse 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of the unleavened bread. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of anointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. But Jesus defended her and said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, you may do them good. But me you have not always. She hath done what she could. I like that, don't you? Yes. She did what, look at somebody say, she did, she did. what she could. What she has come aforehand to anoint my body in the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of her for memorial. Here we are 2,000 years later talking about this, this, this woman. There are three References to the alabaster box, we're assuming they're all the, the same story, just told from different 
highlights. And we believe that the woman with the alabaster box was the woman that was caught in adultery and was brought to the feet of Jesus, and there they wanted to stone her. And you know the beautiful story. He never opened his mouth. He simply knelt down on the ground and began to write. The Bible says the oldest to the youngest, in order, saw what he wrote, walked, dropped their rocks, and walked away. He said, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. He said, neither do I accuse thee. Go thy way and don't mess with this anymore. Don't stand with this anymore. We believe that's the woman with the alabaster box. The alabaster box couldn't be unscrewed or unplugged. It had to be broken. As they mentioned, it was worth 300 pence. That's about 300 days' wages. It was her savings. It was, her, it was all she had, but she didn't pour it or drip, she didn't drip it or break, or break it. I'm, where am I going with that? She didn't pour it. She didn't pour it. She didn't drip it. She poured it. Help me out here. I know where we're going with this. She dumped it all over his head, and it filled the entire room. Oh, that my worship would be so precious that it would fill the entire room. Oh, that my praise would be heard, and the angels would be so impressed with our worship and praise that they would join in and together heaven and earth would declare the glory of the Lord. Her, 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 the fragrance filled the room, that fragrance of worship. And we have learned that when we offer up praise to the Lord, there's a fragrance that we emit and hopefully it's a fragrance of worship, a fragrance of beauty and a, frag a fragrance of trust. She did what she could. I so much love that statement there. I have a dear friend, John Jacobs, powerlifter, when he came to our church probably 20 years ago at least, he used that particular thought right there. She did what she could. Are you doing what you can to further the kingdom of God in your life? My thought and my entire thought is this this morning. What will people say about you a hundred years from now? Will they say anything? I know my grandpa was born in the early 1800s, so he's technically 100 years old, made such an impact on our family, he and grandma both. And so here we are 100 years later, and we're talking about him and talking about his love for his family. My dad was born June 11, 1930. Uh, married my precious mom. At the age of 20, they got married on New Year's Eve. Everybody tried to talk him out of it. They wouldn't listen. But Dad was a very wiry. He boxed in high school. He was very wiry. And uh, one, one day when my dad was about 12 years old, he was shooting at a rabbit. And I'm telling the story for a reason. He was shooting at a rabbit. I, I guess he missed it. It was a nine-shot, 22 pistol. And he shot at the rabbit. So he went to turn the gun and eject the shells out to put more bullets in. One of the bullets didn't go off, and he hit it. He shot him in the head. Uh, that would have been in 1942. Wow. And you know what the doctor said? He said, I can't help you. It's just not your time to die. I can't help you. It's just not your time to die. And I look at the life of my dad and look at the beautiful family that he had and all that, 
all that God blessed them. And, you know, my dad, there was a little window, maybe around 17 or 18, when dad was a little wild. But most, mostly he served the Lord his entire life. I just wanted to share that legacy. Had dad died that day when he turned 12, I wouldn't be here. Right. Jimmy wouldn't be here. Courtney wouldn't be here. Christine wouldn't be here. Skyler wouldn't be here. It's amazing how one day in the life, how God can watch over your life, yes. know the plans he has for you, yes. that you don't die in a car wreck, you don't die of a cancer. You know, I know people die. I mean, I mean, it's there. But aren't you glad that God has his hand upon you, that you've lived your life, and you're living your life for his glory? Does that bless anybody? Amen. Elton John said, Saturday night's all right for fighting. I understand my uncle was a little shorter than dad, and my, my uncle had a, had a big mouth. My uncle, they, they would go to town Saturday night and fight. That's what they did. Just everybody went, went to fight. And so my uncle would always pick on somebody bigger than him. So my dad had to whip his guy. Then he had to go over and bail my uncle out of trouble. And they talked about that for years and years. I preached several revivals in that city there where they were all from. And one day I had a, a sharp-looking guy, big, healthy, strong-looking guy, come up to me and said, your daddy hit me harder than anybody ever hit me on the circuit. I said, well, I hope you're not going to take that on me because I had nothing to do with that. I wasn't even born then. You can't blame me. Mom got pregnant on her wedding night. I don't know if you knew that. My sister was born nine months and one day after their wedding. They were married New Year's Eve. My sister was born October 10th, uh, October 1st. My sister had uh, muscular cirrhosis, tubular sclerosis. And so my parents evangelized for three years with a, a special need child. At the age of four, my sister was committed to an institution to help her. And there she remained until she turned 50. I lost my sister about 15 years ago. The point I was going to make out of that is that after mom and dad birthed Brenda and had all the challenges that they had, they still wanted more children. Right. And so they went to their doctor and asked the doctor, will, will their next ch child have tuberous sclerosis? And the doctor said, it's a possibility. And it's a risk that you're going to have to take if that's what you want to do. So they took the risk. Right. And I was born. And I, I think about that. They could have said, no, right. we're not going to take a chance. No, we're not going to take a risk. But it's kind of good to know that, that my life was a risk that my mom and my dad took on me. Amen. My parents birthed the church in Southern California, started out a little storefront building, ended with several acres. They bought a, uh, Sherry, they bought a chicken house that was, that was uh, out of business. And there's a house on the front, there's several acre lot, chicken houses, where they tore all those chicken houses down, and I personally pulled the nails out of every single piece of lumber. And we built a church with that with a chicken house. My dad would give me a penny and nail for every nail I, I, I pulled, and then he gave me a penny and nail for every nail I straightened. So we didn't just pull the nails, we straightened them. Well, I had a bunch of kids in the neighborhood. They wouldn't know what I was doing. I said, well, this is an opportunity. I'll give you an opportunity. If you pull two nails, I'll give you a penny. And if you straighten two nails, I'll give you a penny. 
man, I was, I was making money. I think I was 12 or 13 years old. And then I got, I did something bad. I found out where dad was putting the nails. I went and got the nails and turned them in again. I've always had a life of crime. I, I, 12 years old, here I robbed the church. And I, but I, I, I look back on that. And you think about the things, uh, get a little personal in it. That's what happens when, when, uh, when I get in a uh, whatever mood I'm in. <laughs> things that I remember. My dad taught me how to walk. The song says, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. Aren't you glad that your father, your heavenly father, teaches you how to walk this pilgrim progress that we are a part of? Taught me how to walk, taught me how to ride a bike. My dad was very mischievous. So one, one Christmas morning, after opening all the gifts, he called me in the kitchen. I went in the kitchen and he handed me a rope, the end of a rope. And he said, Follow the rope. So I go outside the kitchen, walk down the driveway, and around the side of the house was a bike. It wasn't a brand new bike. It wasn't a fancy bike. It was a bike that he had taken and sanded the metal down and had repainted and put new tires on it, put new ribbon and everything shiny. And then I remember it was so funny, him running alongside me while I was learning how to ride the bike. I crashed and burned a couple times, but I did pretty good. And aren't you glad you still know how to ride a bike today? Now, Pastor Tom's going to love the way that he taught me how to swim. We were in the pool. He pushed me in the deep end. And there I was, dog paddling. And uh, there was someone there, a, a friend of the family, Jim and Sue Deal, was there to witness that. And they said, every time I would go under, Dad would just reach over and grab me by the hair of the head and lift me up. And I would go under. And I must have got tired of being grabbed by the hair. because I, I learned how to swim. And I swam away from him to the other end of the pool. We could no longer abuse me. My dad taught me how to mow lawns. I'll never forget that. At the age of 15, I paid all of my personal uh, clothes for school. In my, in my sophomore year, in the middle of my sophomore year, public high school had become so bad with drugs and alcohol, the teachers were dealing drugs to kids. That would have been 1969. My parents took me out of public school, put me in private school. And I graduated from Assembly of God uh, edifice there that... Uh, so many good memories, but I remember my, my father taught me the value of a dollar and how to work. My father taught me integrity. We were buying lumber one day at a lumber store, and uh, the cashier gave Dad too much money back. And Dad was telling her, said, listen, you get... And she got, she got indignant. She got upset, embarrassed, I'm sure. So we walked out of the store. I said, well, Dad, why didn't you just keep the money? I mean, she's arguing. Why didn't you just keep the money? He said, he said it wouldn't have been right. And that was the standard that he lived by. Taught me how to tithe. Taught me how to memorize scripture. But I think most importantly, what my dad taught me through his example, he taught me how to love my mom. He taught me how to love my wife. And he taught me how to love my kids. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what my dad taught me. Had mom lived, they would have been married 71 years. They were, six, they were together 65 years. That's a long time. To so he retired, traveled the country for two years evangelizing, and then came to Cleveland, Tennessee, and spent 18 years of his life with me. What will people say about you 100 years from now? What will people say about you a week from now? 
Who are you impacting? What are you involved in? What are you doing that's making a difference in the life you're living? She did all she could. She broke that box. She anointed his hair. She anointed his feet. She washed his feet with her tears. She dried them with her hair. She was a worshiper. As every head is bowed, as every eyes closed. Father, let us continue to discover the path that you have for us to walk, this path of legacy. Let us be able to raise godly kids, godly families, godly ministries. Let our life make a difference. Let our life make a change. Use us to your fullest capacity. Use us to your fullest direction. We submit to you. We submit our life to you however you want. However you want us to live that life, we submit that life to you. Teach us how to worship. Teach us how to make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, Amen. Thank you for allowing to share that. We, uh, we do not know... Um, when dad's going to fly back to, uh, there are so many COVID deaths in Florida.